Your argument for number 18, uh, Roe against uh, Wade. Mr. Ludington, you may proceed whenever you're ready. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. The instant case is a direct appeal from a decision of the United States District Court for the Northern District of Texas. The court declared the Texas abortion law to be unconstitutional for two reasons. First, that the law was impermissibly vague, and second, that it violated a woman's right to determine to continue or terminate a pregnancy. Although the court granted declaratory relief, the court denied appellant's request for injunctive relief. The Texas law in question permits abortions to be performed only in instances where it is for the purpose of saving the life of the woman. The case originated with the filing of two separate complaints, the first being filed on behalf of Jane Rowe, an unmarried pregnant girl, and the second being filed on behalf of Jane and Mary Doe, a married couple. Jane Rowe, the pregnant woman, had gone to several Dallas physicians seeking an abortion, but had been refused care because of the Texas law. She filed suit on behalf of herself and all those women who have in the past, at that present time, or in the future, would seek termination of a pregnancy. In her affidavit, she did state some of the reasons that she desired an abortion at the time she sought one, but contrary to the contentions of Athelie, she continued to desire the abortion, and it was not only at the time she sought the abortion that her desire was to terminate the pregnancy. When this case was in the district court, uh, the uh, case of Jewish against the United States had not been decided here. That's correct. Now that's, uh, do you think that has disposed of some of the questions raised now? Your Honor, I do not. In the Lewis decision, this court was working with a statute which provided that an abortion could be performed for reasons of health or life. Our Texas statute provides an abortion only where it is, where it is for the purpose of saving the life of the woman. Since the Lewis decision was rendered, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, which is our highest court of criminal jurisdiction, has held that the Texas law is not vague, citing the Lewis decision, but saying that the Texas law is more definite than the D.C. law. So obviously the Court of Criminal Appeals doesn't feel that the two are the same. And in the, the Lewis decision, the justices of this court emphasized continuously that a doctor, as a matter of routine, works with the problem of what is best for the health of his patients. We submit that a doctor is not used to being restricted to acting only when it's for the purpose of saving the life of the woman, and that health is a continuum which runs into life, and a doctor in our state does not know whether he can perform an abortion only when, when death is imminent or when the woman's life would be shortened. He does not know if uh, the death must be certain or if it could be an increase in probability of her death. So here in the district, doctors are able to exercise their normal matter of judgment, whether or not the health of a woman, mental or physical, would be affected. But in Texas, we tell a doctor that unless he can decide whether it's necessary for the purpose of saving her life and for no other reason, that he is subject to criminal sanctions. I think it's important to note the range of problems that could be presented to a doctor. The court, for example, uh, cited the instance of suicide. If a woman comes in alleging that she will commit suicide, is it then necessary for him to do, or can he do an abortion for the purpose of saving her life? 
or is that a situation where he has to have something more? I think all of those questions cannot be answered at this point. This brings up the married couple in our case. The woman in that case had a neurochemical condition. Her doctor had advised her not to get pregnant and not to take the birth control pill. She was using alternative means of birth control, but she and her husband were fearful that she would become pregnant and that although the neurochemical condition would impair her health, there was evidently her doctor did not feel that she would die if, if she continued the pregnancy. And certainly they were very concerned about the effects of the statute and her position seemed uncertain about its implications. The doctors in our state continue to feel that our law is vague. Now, certainly we introduced affidavits in the lower court to that effect. Since the time of the lower court ruling, uh, the district attorney in Texas has said that he will that he considers the federal court decision may not to be binding, and he is. Uh, and we do have a letter from him in the first thing in our uh, appendix to the brief stating that he will continue to prosecute. So the doctors in Texas, even with the federal decision and even after the Zulich decision, do not feel free to perform abortions. And instead, 728 women in the first nine months after the decision went to New York for abortion. Texas women are coming here. It's so often the poor and the disadvantaged in Texas who are not able to escape the effects of the law. Certainly there are many Texas women who are affected because our doctors still feel uncertain about the impact of the law, even in light of the religious decision. Well, and then, of course, this is what you make uh, many additional constitutional attacks on Yes. 
show up yeah. and there it is a physician. Yes. So it's under indictment. Yes. The physician intervened after the order was entered, granting Jane Roe a three-judge court. And he intervened again, asking only that future prosecution under the law be enjoined. He did not ask any relief of the court relating to his pending state criminal prosecution. He did specifically in his complaint reserve the right to ask for future relief, but that was never done. And certainly in the future, if he were to ask for relief, the court would have the uh, guidance of the Younger versus Paris companion cases. But there was in no way any request for any uh, action to interfere with the pending criminal prosecution then in process. As to, there is uh, an allegation that the question is moved since the woman has now had, has carried the pregnancy to term. And I think it is, it is important to realize uh, that there are several important aspects in which this case differs from the case that the courts might usually be presented. First, the case is different in the nature of the interest which is involved and in the extent to which personal determination is undermined by this statute, the effect that it has on women. Second, it is unique in the type of injury that's presented. Certainly there are some injuries that can be compensated, and most last over a sufficient period of time for the courts to litigate the interest. But in this case, a progressive pregnancy does not suspend itself in order to give the time, uh, the courts time to act. Certainly Jane Roe brought her suit as soon as she knew she was pregnant, as soon as she had sought an abortion and been denied. She came to federal court. She came on behalf of a class of women, and I don't think there's any question but that women in Texas continue to desire abortions and to seek them out outside our state. There was an absence of any other uh, remedy, and without the ability to lit litigate her claim as a pregnant woman who came seeking relief and who was affected by the time required for the federal process, not, be, not because of any infirmity in her own attempt to litigate her interest. That this will, in fact, be a case certainly presenting substantial federal question and yet evading review in the future. I think uh, the third way in which it is unique is, as I stated, the fact that it is the only forum available to these women. Uh, they have no other way to litigate their interests. Does that mean that there is no possibility of getting a declaratory judgment under Texas law? Yes, Your Honor. Declaratory judgments in the state of Texas are limited to a situation where property rights are involved. And we also have a very unusual situation in Texas where we have two concurrent jurisdictions, one the civil and one the criminal. And even there are some cases which indicate that our state Supreme Court would not have the ability to mandamus any of the criminal prosecution officers because the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals has jurisdiction as to all criminal matters in the state of Texas. So even if the woman had been able to bring a declaratory judgment, which she couldn't, she couldn't have gotten any sort of relief against future prosecution. And it was exactly the absence of the court granting uh, an injunction against future prosecution, which has resulted in the irreparable injuries these women have suffered. Uh, in Texas, the woman is the victim. Uh, the state 
cannot deny the effect that this law has on the women of Texas. Certainly there are problems regarding even the use of contraception. Uh, abortion now for a woman is safer than childbirth. In the absence of abortion or legal medically safe abortions, women often result to the illegal abortion, which certainly carry risks of death, all the side effects such as severe infection, permanent sterility, all the complications that result. And in fact, if the woman is unable to get either a legal abortion or an illegal abortion in that state, she can do a self-abortion, which is certainly perhaps by far the most dangerous, and that is no fun. She is in our state. Uh, Texas, for example, does, it appears to us, would not allow any relief at all, even in situations where the mother uh, would suffer perhaps serious physical or mental harm. There's certainly a great question about it. Uh, if the pregnancy would result in the birth of a deformed or defective child, she has no relief. Regardless of the circumstances of conception, whether it was because of race, incest, whether she is extremely immature, she has no relief. I think it's without question that pregnancy to a woman can completely disrupt her life, whether she's unmarried, whether she's pursuing an education, whether she's pursuing a career, whether she has family problems. All of the problems uh, of, of personal and family life for a woman are bound up in the problem of abortion. For example, in our state, there are many schools where a woman is forced to quit if she becomes pregnant. In the city of Austin, that is true. A woman, if she becomes pregnant and is in high school, must resign or must drop out of regular, educa regular education process, and that's true of some uh, colleges in our state. In the matter of uh, employment, she often is forced to quit at an early point in her pregnancy. She has no provision for maternity leave. She has, she uh, cannot get unemployment compensation under our laws because the law holds that she is not eligible for em employment being pregnant and therefore is eligible for no unemployment compensation. At the same time, she can get no welfare to help her at a time when she has no unemployment compensation and she's not eligible for any help in getting a job to provide for herself. There is no duty for employers to rehire women if they must drop out to carry a pregnancy to term. And of course, this is especially hard on the many women in Texas who are heads of their own households and must provide for their already existing children. And obviously, the responsibility of raising a child is the most serious one, and the time and emotional investment that must be made cannot be denied. So a pregnancy to a woman is perhaps one of the most determinative aspects of her life. It disrupts her, her body, it disrupts her education, it disrupts her employment, and it often disrupts her entire family life. And we feel that because of the impact on the woman, this certainly, in as far as there are any rights which are fundamental, is a matter which is of such fundamental and basic concern to the woman involved that she should be allowed to make the choice as to whether to continue or to terminate her pregnancy. I think the question is equally serious for the physicians of our state. They are seeking to practice medicine 
in what they consider the highest method of practice. We have affidavits in the back of our brief from each of the heads of public, of heads of obstetrics and gynecology departments from each of our public medical schools in Texas. And each of them points out that they were willing and interested to immediately begin to formulate methods of providing care and services for women who are pregnant and who do not desire to continue the pregnancy. They were stopped cold in their efforts, even with the declaratory judgment, because of the DA's position that they would continue to prosecute. The Constitution. 
that I think one of the purposes of the Constitution was to guarantee to the individual the right to determine the course of their own lives, insofar as there was perhaps no compelling state interest. And we allege there is none in this case. But there again, uh, the right fits within the framework of the previous decisions of this court. What is the asserted state interest? Is there any legislative history? No, sir, Your Honor. Uh, no, sir, there is not. Uh, the only legislative history, of course, is that which is found in other states, uh, which has been pointed out to the court before, and Professor Means points out again that these statutes were adopted for the health of the mother. Certainly, the Texas courts have referred to the woman as being the victim, and they have never referred to anyone else as being the victim. Uh, times have, have certainly changed. I think it's important to, to realize that in Texas, self-abortion is no crime. The woman is guilty of no crime, even though she seeks out the doctor, even though she consents, even though she participates, even though she pays for the procedure. She, again, is guilty of no crime whatsoever. It's also interesting that our statute, uh, the penalty for the offense of abortion depends on whether or not the consent of the woman was obtained prior to the procedure. It's double if you don't get her consent. Uh, there is uh, no indication in Fondren versus State, for example, the court ruled that a woman who commits an abortion on herself is guilty of no crime. Again, she being regarded as the victim rather than the perpetrator of the crime. Obviously, in our state, the offense is not murder. It is an abortion, which carries a significantly lesser offense. Uh, there is no requirement of, even though the state in its brief points out the development of the fetus at an eight-week period, the same state does not require any death certificate or any formalities of birth. That the product of such a conception would be handled merely as a pathological specimen. And the statute doesn't make any distinction. Uh, based upon uh, what uh, period of pregnancy the abortion is No, Your Honor. Uh, there is no time limit or indication of time whatsoever. So, I think... Well, do you make any decision? No, sir, I, I do. I feel that the question of the time limit is not strictly before the court because of the nature of the, of the situation in which the case is uh, handled. Certainly, I think it's a practical matter, though. Most of the states that do have some time limit indicated still permit abortions beyond the time limit for specified reasons, usually against where the health of the mother is involved. What's your, what's your constitutional position? As to a time limit? What about uh, whatever clause of the Constitution you left on, right, the due process, uh, uh, the general pattern, the numbers? It is also uh, the... Will that take you right up to the time of birth? It is our position that the freedom involved is that of a woman to determine whether or not to continue a pregnancy. Obviously, I have a much more difficult time uh, saying that the state has no interest in late pregnancy. Why? Why is that? I think it's more the emotional response to a late pregnancy rather than it is any uh, uh, constitutional. I guess by persons considering the issue outside the legal context, I think as far as the state... Well, do, you, do you or don't you say that the, the constitutional uh, I would say the right constitutional, to insist yeah. on uh, when it reaches uh, up to the time of birth? Uh, the, 
The Constitution, as I read it and as encouraged and documented by Professor Means, attaches protection to the person at the time of birth. Those persons born are citizens. Uh, the enumeration clause, we count those people who are born. The Constitution, as I see it, gives protection to people after birth. This is what it's about. Maybe he was asking 
He was asking what? No, he was against the continuance of that process. That's correct. He is willing to litigate his judgment as the future prosecution. Well, except that he wanted a declaratory judgment on the status. Yes, the underlying statute on which the prosecution was brought is unconstitutional. Isn't that it? Yes. Well, I thought that's the standards in my case that it couldn't have. And what your defense said was incorrect. I think perhaps we would stress that there are two separate actions before the court. First, that of the women, and second, that of the doctor. So that even though the... Even though the doctor, even though the court might find that the doctor was an inappropriate party for relief, it certainly would not affect the original action as brought by the women. All right, then I come back again. If we're left only with the lady doctor, you suggest then that the declaratory relief they already obtained is not enough because that doesn't help terminate the pregnancy. Because they are still subject to the irreparable injury and have no adequate state remedy. And if they are not able to continue to litigate their interests in this situation, any time there was any prosecution pending against anyone in the state at any point in the appeal, for example, the Thompson case was filed in 1968. It's been decided now in our state courts. It's on appeal, or it will be appealed here, I think. And certainly, if they cannot litigate their interests while there's prosecution pending against the doctor, they will, in many instances where a statute, where there are... I suppose the answer is that prosecution against the doctor, there's nothing that any doctor would say to you. Yes, they cannot even decide to take the risk for themselves under the declaratory judgment. They must rely on another person to take that risk. But certainly the doctor raised not only his own rights, but the rights of his patients. And those same patients are suffering the same sort of irreparable injury that the original plaintiffs were suffering. Could the doctor raise that same point in the criminal prosecution? Yes, Your Honor, he can. But I don't feel it's appropriate to make those women who are most vitally affected, certainly more so than the doctor, who can merely decide not to perform an abortion and thereby escape... You said there were two separate issues here. The issue involving the doctor is to litigate everything he's now litigating in the state court. Yes, Your Honor. My point being that these women should not be compelled to leave it up to the doctor to litigate those in power alone. He's made a penance now for criminal prosecution. He's not having to do that. Well, I think there are different interests involved. And in most criminal prosecutions, the doctors would bring up other problems, such as... I didn't do it. Yeah, the witnesses have disappeared, or it really was for this reason. Has this defense ever been interposed in a criminal case? Yes, Your Honor. There is one recent opinion, Thompson v. The State of Texas, which the Attorney General attempted to bring to the attention of the court, and it was not granted, and the court rejected it. But it was a decision about a month and a half ago, which originated in Houston. A doctor there was indicted on a charge of abortion. At trial, he used only an alibi defense. But on his appeal, he did raise the same constitutional questions that we raised in the federal court. No, Your Honor, they could have, but they didn't. They went ahead and litigated those issues. And our Texas Court of Criminal Appeals, which is our high court, has now held that the statute is not vague, citing Lewis, which, again, I would contend is an incorrect reliance. That's the case you cited to the 
teacher. And second, that they specifically did not determine whether or not there was a right to privacy, but did hold there was a compelling interest. So in that particular situation, which is the only situation, a doctor did attempt to litigate the Senate. Mrs. Carter Field has basically upheld the Constitution now. They have held really directly in opposition to the federal court opinion from which we are appealing. They have filed a motion for rehearing in the state court of criminal appeals, which will be argued tomorrow. Uh, I think it's very unlikely that the court would uh, change its opinion, and it is the intention of those parties to appeal. Are there Texas laws in other areas of the law? Uh, give rights to unborn children in the areas of trust and estate and will. Or no, Your Honor, only, only if they are born alive. We have the Supreme Court of Texas recently has held in one case that there is an action for prenatal injuries at any stage prior to birth, but only upon the condition that it be born alive. The same is true of our property law. The child must be born alive. And I, I think there is a distinction between those children which are ultimately born, and I think it is appropriate to give them retroactive rights. But I think that's a completely different question from whether or not they had rights at the time they were still in what the about, womb. What about the, uh, the unborn child who is, uh, as a result of an accident, killed, or whatever it was you want to use? There has been no situation litigated like that in Texas. I suppose you noted that the Iowa, around the, uh, country, uh, the Iowa Supreme Court about uh, two weeks ago held that where it was stillborn, there was no uh, uh, cause of action whatsoever. The child and the mother, uh, for the mother. Well, now, oh, I'm, I'm speaking, excuse me, solely for the fetus. That the fetus had no independent right. That the, the mother, mo the mother, the mother recovering on for the death of the child, or for the whatever you want. Only for her injury. And only for her. Yes. Does that include anything with regard to the child? No, no. Thank you, Mrs. Weddington, Mr. Floyd. Prepared or unprepared for for parents. 
there is no fear of prosecutions on Mariko. Uh, if we accept all contentions of these this marriage couple, uh, we submit that they still do not come under the prescribed conditions of Glass versus Cohen and Golden versus Switzer. We feel that the lower court properly denied them standing. As to the unmarried pregnant female, uh, a unique situation arises in is her action now moot? Of course, if moot, there is no case of controversy. Class action, I think. It was a class action. Well, AU was, I suppose we could almost take judicial notice of the fact that there are at any given time un unmarried pregnant females in the state of Texas. I would say that the only thing that should uphold her uh, 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 her standing would be, or, or eliminate the mootness issue, would be whether or not this is a class action on her part. Yes, sir. The record that came up to this court contains the amended petition of Jane Rowe. Unsigned alias affidavit, and that is all. She alleges that she was pregnant on April the 20th, 1970, which is some 21 months ago. Now, I think that it is, it has been recognized by the appellate counsel that she is no longer pregnant. This court has consistently held that the time of determination of mootness is when the hearing is before the court. That is, a case can become moot from the hearing in the trial court until the time it reaches this court. We do not feel appellant's authority contained in their brief will substantiate their con her contention that the case is not moot. Uh, the I might add this, that I, I believe the law to be that if there is a reasonable possibility of reoccurrence of the situation, then the case would not be moved. Now, this is the W.T. Grant case. Uh, the other case are cases concerned orders of the Interstate Commerce Commission, which the court holds that there is a, a possibility or a reasonable possibility of continuation of those orders and the, the capability of repetition. It deals mainly with the capability of repetition. <laughs> we think the case of Jane Rowe can be easily compared to Hall versus Fields. In that particular case, a group of voters instituted a class action uh, complaining of a Colorado statute which prescribed a residency requirement of six months. They had, at the time, lived in the state, or at the time of the election, were lived in the state some four or five months. The case came up through the lower courts, this court, and in the meantime, Colorado repealed the statute and established a two-month residency requirement. The election was held in the meantime. The trial court plaintiff complained of the two-month residency requirement. 
This court held a cause of action moot, even though it was denominated as a class action. The big difference. Colorado had amended its statute, and Texas was not. That is correct. But the fact was that you still had, if it is what we want to call it, the the evil still existing not too much. But it was the other statutes that had been the subject of the litigation. I, I say there is the it's not true here. They know what we call white horse. The in in connection with the with the class action aspect of this, and I say I have no authority to support this proposition, but it would appear that in order for a class action to continue, if there be one to begin with, is that one plaintiff must remain, or else an intervenor or someone to be a representative of the class. So this is the whole purpose of this class action, to have a representative in the court. <clears throat> now the position of the appellate Hawthorne, how do you suggest, uh, if you're right, uh, how do you, what, what procedure would you suggest for any pregnant female in the state of Texas ever to get any judicial consideration of this constitutional claim? You want to let me answer your question with a statement, if I may. I do not believe it can be done. There are situations in which of course, as the court knows, no remedy is provided. I think she makes her choice prior to the time she becomes pregnant. That is the time of the choice. It's like more or less that, well, the first three or four years of her life, we don't remember anything. Uh, but once a child is born, a woman no longer has a choice. And I think pregnancy no longer has a choice. That's what, maybe she makes her choice and she decides to live in Texas. <laughs> the, there's no restriction on moving. No. Your Honor, the, the appellate offered is under two indictments uh, charged with the offense of performing an abortion. There are no allegations in, in the complaint of appellant Hallford or none in his affidavit that there is any bad faith uh, prosecution, bad faith uh, arrest, uh, uh, harassment of him at all to bring him within Dombrowski's special circumstances. We think the cases of Younger versus Harris and Samuel versus Michael are controlling as to Dr. Hallford's position. We also feel like that Dr. Hallford cannot rely upon his patient's rights to bring him into federal court. And I think the Tillerson versus Coleman case will will uh, be authority for that proposition. That's the matter of injunctive relief after a court once grants declaratory relief. Uh, I, I will make this comment that it appears the court can consider the propriety of declaratory relief and can consider the propriety of injunctive relief. That is, the court can divorce the two. And 
was granting declaratory relief, that is, back to the unconstitutional, uh, in its discretion and determine whether or not injunctive relief is proper and denied if it's so big. Now, should this court, as I understand it, and the, the, all of the parties feel that if this court wants acquired jurisdiction of the matter, that these parties would like the court to consider all the constitutional issues. Uh, the, well, are you, uh, are you, uh, sustaining, uh, are you saying that the, uh, denial of injunction was proper because, uh, the, uh, declaratory judgment was there? No, Your Honor, I think the court can grant declaratory relief to the unconstitutionality and deny injunctive relief. I know, but if the certainly, if, 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 if the erroneous, the judgment about the, uh, um, if the declaratory judgment was erroneous, uh, it was also right to deny injunctive relief. Yes, Your Honor. That's correct. That's correct. I think if, they, if the court, of course, uh, said. You didn't cross the field. You we have, have, we could not to this court, Your Honor. We have to go to the circuit. So we have. But are you attempting to sustain the uh, denial of an injunction here on the grounds that the declaratory judgment was impossible? We are, we are asking the court, petitioning the court to do this. That is, the court gets into the merit of injunctive relief, whether or not it was proper under the circumstances that this court go forward and continue the other or continue constitutional issues and make determination on that. Can we see that? You're in the Fifth Circuit because we said that you couldn't cross the field from the declaratory judgment. You can only cross the field from a granted denial of Yes, sir. Uh, I suppose we could do it if we bypass the court of appeals and bring up your appeal pending in the Fifth Circuit. You're here. Your opponent has brought a direct appeal here because your opponent was denied an injunction by the three judge district court. You did not bring a cross appeal here. You won on the part of you of successfully resisting the injunction. Now that you're here as the appellee, you're arguing that an injunction should not have issued. And part of that argument is very legitimately can be that on the merit, the court was wrong, and that it shouldn't have issued a declaratory judgment or an injunction. That's correct, Your Honor. And that is your position? Yes, sir. Now, the proceedings in the Fifth Circuit have been stated or uh, abated. I, I, I say, it, it, it makes sense to me. But, you know, some of our prior uh, cases are on the fourth coast, unless we bypass the, the circuit and bring these appeals coming in here. Well, uh, Your Honor, and I don't want to be repetitious, but a motion has been filed in the Fifth Circuit to hold the appeal in abeyance until a determination yeah, by the court. You didn't, ask, you didn't file any motion here asking us to bring your appeal pending in the Fifth Circuit here for decision with this appeal. No, we have requested that in our, in our, uh, uh, reply to the jurisdiction and in our brief. We have presented it in that, that uh, manner. Your Honor, we feel that this court can and should consider all issues and not the Sterling, the Florida Lime, and how the Tyler growers and the Carter cases, which are cited in the brief of the party. <laughs> what is Texas' interest in this statute? Uh, 
Justice, the Thompson case, which has been cited before, Thompson versus State. The Court of Criminal Appeals did not decide the issue of privacy. It was not before the court, or the right of choice issue. The state of the state court, the Court of Criminal Appeals, held that the state had a compelling interest uh, because of the protection of fetal life. Yes, of fetal life protection. They recognized the humanness of the uh, embryo or the fetus. And they said, we have an interest in protecting a fetal life. Whether or not that was the original intent of the statute, I have no idea. I guess the United Texas is not a tenth of time. A woman who has helped support an abortion on herself. That is correct, Your Honor. And the matter has been brought to my attention. Why not punish for murder? Since you are destroying what you or what has been said to be a human being. I don't know, uh, except that I will say this, as medical science progresses, maybe the law will progress along with it. Maybe at one time it could be possible, I suppose, that it could be passed. Whether or not that would be constitutional or not. Well, I don't deal with the statute as it is. There's no, there's no state is there that equates abortion with murder or is there? There is none, Your Honor, except one of our statutes that if the, if the mother dies, that the doctor shall be guilty of murder. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Not only murder. I would say so. Yeah. The Texas statute covers the entire period of pregnancy. Yes, it does. Yes. 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 Thank you. 
question after to my brother Mark Pope. Question after what is the interest of the state in this legislation? You know, what is its purpose? What is its societal purpose? Your answer was, I think, relying on your opinion of the most recent opinion of the Court of Criminal Appeals of Texas, that it was the protection of people's life. And uh, I think you also said that was perhaps not its original purpose. Well, I'm not sure of that. I, well, it may be rather important in a constitutional, a constitutional case of this kind. It becomes quite vital sometimes to rather precisely identify what the asserted interest of the state is. I think that original purpose, Mr. Justice, and the present prevailing purpose may be the same in this respect. There have been statistics furnished to this court. Uh, in various breeds, from various groups, and from uh, medical societies of different uh, groups of physicians and, and uh, gynecologists or whatever it may be. These statistics are, have not shown me, for instance, for example, that uh, abortion is safer than normal childbirth. They have not shown me that there are not emotional problems that are very important uh, resulting from uh, an abortion. Uh, the protection of the mother at one time uh, may still be the primary, but the, the policy consideration of this just would seem to be for the, for the state legislature. To make a decision. There's like that's true policy questions or for legislative and executive bodies, both in the state and federal government. But we have here a constitutional question, and deciding uh, it, assessing it, it's important to know what the asserted interest of the state is in the enactment of this legislation. I am, and this is just from my, uh, I speak personally, may I comment? I would think that even when this statute was first uh, passed, there was some concern for the unborn fetus. When was it enacted? I believe it was 1859 with the original statute. This, I believe, was around 1900, 1907. It goes back. 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 I think this is maybe set out in some of the briefs. I well, can't quite square that most recent pronouncement with the earlier decisions of the Texas courts that refer to the mother as the victim. Did you? Well, uh, as I say, Your Honor, I don't think the courts have come to the conclusion that the unborn has full juristic right. Uh, right. Not, not, not yet. Maybe they will. I don't know. I, I just don't feel like they have at the present time. In the first few weeks of pregnancy? In the first few weeks of pregnancy? Or at any time, uh, Mr. Justice, we make uh, no distinction. We say there is life from the moment of impregnation. And do you have any scientific data to support that? Well, we begin 
Mr. Justice, in our brief with the the development of the human uh, embryo carrying it through the development of the fetus from about seven to nine days after conception. Well, what about six days? We don't know. But the statute goes all the way back to one hour. I don't, uh, but Justice, uh, there are unanswerable questions in this field. I appreciate it. <laughs> this is an artless statement on my part. I withdraw the question. Thank you. Or when does the soul come into the, the unborn? If a person believes in the soul, I don't know. <clears throat> I assume the Appellants now are operating under the Ninth Amendment rights. There are allegations of First Amendment rights being violated. Uh, however, I, I feel no, there is no merit to this fact. It does not uh, establish any religion, nor does it prohibit anyone from uh, practicing or being a part of any religious group. Uh, I see no uh, merit in their contentions that it could possibly be under freedom of speech or press. In fact, there was been some articles recently in this city's newspaper yesterday where it about. The other constitutional rights that the appellant speaks of, I think, are expressed in two matters. The individual or marital right of privacy. And secondly, or, or the right to choose whether or not to abort a child. Now, uh, if, if, if the uh, those are out of the case, the, the marital privacy is, is out of the case. But be that as it may, neither individual nor marital privacy has been held to be absolute. We have legal search and seizure. We have the possession of illegal drugs, uh, the practice of polygamy and other matters. A, a parent, I do not believe, a parent cannot refuse to give their child some form of education. As far as the freedom over one's body is concerned, this is not absolute. The use of illicit drugs, the uh, indecent exposure legislation, and as Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Goldberg stated in, uh, in the Griswold case that uh, adultery and fornication are constitutional beyond that. Our Constitution or any laws against the laws uh, against the Constitution. There is nothing in the United States Constitution concerning uh, birth, contraception, or abortion. Now, the appellee does not disagree with the appellant's statement that a woman has a choice. But as we have previously mentioned, 
we feel that this choice is left up, is it, if the woman, prior to the time she becomes pregnant. This is the time of the choice. Now this was brought out in the Rosen versus Louisiana State Board of Medical Examination for the Examiner's case, and in Parkey versus Edwards, which are lower court uh, opinions, and my understanding is that that Parkey versus Edwards has been adopted in this court. I have been, yes. No, I'm, I'm not positive, but I think it has been. Texas doesn't uh, grant any case of uh, rape. There is nothing in our statute about that. Now, the procedure, like the woman would have had a choice, which is uh, the uh, procedure, and, and I'm, now I'm, I'm telling you for something outside the record, but I understand the, the procedure when a woman is brought in after race is to try to uh, stop whatever has occurred immediately by the proper procedure in, a, in the, uh, the hospital.